Welcome to Something Different This Way Comes. I'm Heather McLeod, and today I get to talk with Judy Vinnie of Willow Springs about the kindness economy. Something different this way comes, something, something different, something different, something different this way comes, something, something different, something different. Judy Vinnie. Judy Vinnie and kindness go hand in hand in my heart. I first met Judy almost 19 years ago. My daughter had just died on the day she was born, and in the fevered days that followed, as we organized her funeral, I decided firmly that I needed two willow baskets. So I picked up the phone book like the good journalist I was, I looked up places I thought might have willow baskets, I called, not realizing just how unlikely that was, how big an ask. I mean. Those who had baskets of any kind, if indeed, I don't even remember if I found such a place, but they would have no idea if they were willow or not. No one much knew what to do with my request, and and I began to to despair, really. And then someone recommended, in fact, I think a few people might have mentioned that I should call Willow Springs. And I know enough about Willow Springs to know that it wasn't a willow basket-making shop. But after a while, I called. And Judy Vinnie picked up the phone. And I told her my crazy thing. I'm like, do you have willow baskets? I would like two willow baskets, and and I can't find any. And uh, she recognized me. She knew me from my work on CBC. She immediately offered me her compassion, which is amazing. And she said, I don't have any willow baskets on hand, but I will get you willow baskets. Don't worry. You'll get your baskets. So the first time I met Judy Vinnie face-to-face, The doorbell rings, I open it, and there she is holding two handmade, absolutely gorgeous baskets made of willow that she'd made just for me and my daughter. Man, talk about an introduction. So within the year, she'd asked me to join the board of Willow Springs, and um, I served on it for a few years. I was even chair for a while. And what an amazing place. What an amazing group of people gathered around there that, that created it and that continue to create it and, and build on what was begun in all these innovative and honest and wonderful ways. I mean, Willow Springs is a place, it's a couple acres, it's a little old building that, that used to be a store um, that they've built out from, so there's, there's a a walk through the bush that's full of delightful surprises. There's a brick oven, there's a fire pit and bees and gardens and raised garden beds and all kinds of, of marvels. But it really, that's just the hub. Uh, there's very few people there in some ways, and yet it's connected in so many ways. And they reach out and, and offer programming in many, many places, many of the, the most isolated places in our city, inside jails, inside um, long-term care homes, inside group homes, in supportive housing institutions, hospitals, care areas. They will send somebody with a plan and the right tools to transform a day and sometimes a life. Willow Springs is a really remarkable place. And Judy Vinnie is a really remarkable woman. So I was so delighted when she agreed to be 
my guest this season and, and chat with me about the kindness economy. What comes to her mind? What can she imagine if we were to do things differently with more efficiency in some ways, more focus on what we really value, and more kindness? So we booked a date, and I came in at the appointed time, and of course, there was a pot of tea at hand, and, uh, and the cup's already ready to settle us down and chat. It's Eleanor Albanese's um, Tea of Posy, do you like, Earl of Posy it's called. So it's very lovely, like an Earl Grey with, with flowers. <laughs> Here you go. Thank you. Okay, so I could talk to you for days. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably days we could chat. <laughs> and I just I just feel really glad to have an excuse to come and sit down with you because you don't sit down much. And, and we don't see enough of each other. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to have this time with you. So we could talk about many, many, many things. When I think of imagining this place, this specific place that we each know in our own way and we love, getting a bit more love and, and being able to, to blossom because we're doing things differently and it's good. But what came to your mind? Like, What would you like to make sure that we touch upon before we're done chatting today? right away in my mind and probably because where I am in my life I thought right away of the way we treat elders we treat seniors in our life and warehouse them and pull them away from community Um, and I think that's where we should start this is an old community we're one of the oldest communities in Canada and I just think we have to do it it differently and so that's where my mind went to right away. We, at Willow Springs, we work a lot with seniors in long-term care, assisted living, at community centers, 55 plus, all those. And uh, such fantastic lives lived. And something happens, especially when people go in long-term care. It's like all of that is forgotten. And I think that's where we could make change. It makes me think of um, some documentaries I've watched about other countries that have chosen to just consider old age, which is not really about age. It's about capacity and vulnerability. Consider it very differently. See the value of keeping people in familiar routines keeping people with giving relationships and connections, keeping people connected to the the wild world and have the capacity to get their hands dirty, go for a walk, hear the birds, all those sorts of things. I know in, in Finland, I remember watching a documentary about services tailored to what worked for that person to minimize their disruption. And then one of the services would be making sure that you get out. And you have somewhere to go and things to do and people that welcome you and, and know how to make you safe and happy wherever you happen to be. So as soon as you said that, I thought, oh, what a difference that would be if we could do something more like that here. Yeah, and throughout Scandinavian, they, they have a model where they would have a house right within a neighborhood that would house maybe four or six people who need 
care, but they stay in their community. It's a priority to be outside and exercise and walk or ski or do something every day, garden. And the other thing is the doors aren't locked. They have a GPS that they have on the, in the person's coat or someone with the staff will see, oh, this person's going out and they'll just walk with them or behind and just let them be on their own. And I just, I uh, just, people need things to do and they have so many skills. And I know I have, my father died and he had Alzheimer's for 17 years. My mom now, she's, in long-term care with with Alzheimer's and uh, but there's this m- memory a body memory too and we work with folks all the time and they might not be able to speak but you give them a tray and some seeds and their hands just go to work or they can show you oh you should pull the husk off of this before you plant it or like motion like where's the water to soak them they just know these things because they've done them forever but I've always thought, just put a basket of laundry in the program room. These women are wanting to do something. I just have a very hard time with the institutionalization of of our elders. What it makes me think of, too, is a quote I recently read. It was an article. Oh, I think it was an American article uh, trying to show Americans how different Denmark is. And in Denmark, most uh, there's a much lower incarceration rate, and the focus of it is um, that you, you did wrong because wrong is going on. So how can we help you heal and regain a productive place in your community? So most of them are a space you have to go to and obligations to show up, but not locked doors, not stigma, really, and enormous amounts of support, and it's cheaper than, than when you when you try to control everything, you know, it's so much cheaper and it's so much more effective. And I think the same would be true if we treated providing support when vulnerable people need it as how can we do this that meets their needs as opposed to how can we control it? Because that's what a lot of goes on in these institutions is some sort of cookie cutter solution that we can apply without meeting the people involved and squish them all into it. And so much is lost in that sort of distance between decision and actual experience. Well, and two, it's logistically, it's so difficult. If you put over 500 people in one building, you need to feed them and care for them and keep track of them. It's always going to be more difficult and then you start losing freedoms you know just like in schools you put 32 kids in a class there's just not the space for them to all be moving freely and yeah so and that's another place another institution that I would love to see transformed so that that we weren't controlling so kids had such a narrow experience and so much of what they spend their days in and they're growing up loving to learn era and so easily learning era that is how to stay small how to stay quiet how to not need support because it can't be spared there's only one person for a big group and you know the quieter you are the less you're stressing out that one person that's heartbreaking we know better we just need to decide we care enough to do better yeah and when you think that it took a pandemic to say, 
Kids have to be outside every day. Try to get outside as much as possible. Why is there not funding for outdoor-based schools? We live in northwestern Ontario. I mean, every place should have them, but we should be the model of what you can learn and do outside. And here at Willow Springs, since 2008, we were introduced to horticultural therapy and therapeutic gardening. We've trained in that. We do gardening programming with all different groups. And you know how you're saying it, it costs less? Something so simple as getting people to garden, grow their own food, be outside, use their bodies. There's so many benefits, the mental health benefits, the physiological benefits of it are so amazing and it's so inexpensive. And why are we not doing these simple things? Because down the road, the social consequences of not acting up front for children, people who are struggling to to fit in, uh, when you think of all the addiction that is happening in, in this area, you know, if we could get get people into nature, let them create, help them to grow food, eat healthy food, I just think it'd be so much cheaper for all of us. Mm-hmm. I think if we have to make a money, make it about money, this kindness economy would say, put it up front because it's going to save us so much later on. And, and when you bring somebody into the fold and say, what do you need? What do you need? Uh, it's probably time, attention, a bit of information, acceptance, welcome. And I'll spend the time with you and give you what I can. And they unfold and they start to heal. Step two is we trust you to help others heal like you healed. Right. And that sort of encompassing of everybody's capacity, which at the other end, I can imagine all these elders, right, who have so much experience and skill and finding ways to have more intergenerational exchange of time and opportunity. Sometimes it's just keeping an eye and let us know if they're getting into trouble. Right. And sometimes it's pure like, no, watch how she's doing it. There's a reason why. She's doing what she's doing that way. She might not be able to get into it because it's so instinctive to her, but there is value in emulating the wisdom of those hands, you know? An intergenerational thing. We need, I don't understand when they clump like all seven, grade sevens and eights together, you know, and take them into that sort of junior high model when they're away from smaller children, when now they're at a point where they could be teaching and they could be the mentors. I love where my mom lives in long-term care. There is a daycare incorporated into the facility. That makes sense to me. And the kids come up onto the floor and see, I mean, again, with pan, with the pandemic, that all stopped. But at least there is that mix of, of different ages. I think that's so important. Not all people relate to people their own ages. There's so many ways we can connect. Age is the least of it. Yes. Yeah. The other thing is at Willow Springs, all of our food programming that we do is employment training for adults with disabilities. And they're integrated into our regular work. And I think that is also essential. People need real work 
and they need to contribute. It can't be just tokenism or just for looks to make a company look good. They bring someone on and have them doing something menial with no opportunity to learn and grow. The folks that come and train with us, many have worked with us now for 10 years in paid employment. Um, We can't hire everyone we train. We need to look for employers who are willing to, yeah, look at them as individuals, recognize they have skills, and maybe we just have to adapt some, maybe they need to wear headphones, earmuffs or something to just be quieter, or maybe they need something with a checklist because they can't remember in the same way someone else does. But there's that opportunity and that's when you can just see people just come to life. You're like, what has happened here? This person all of a sudden has confidence in themselves. They want to take on challenges. If I was dreaming, I would say there'd be all these different size companies saying there's a place for you and a more inclusive society that we could be in. And I'm I'm thinking again of that American article about the Danish incarceration system. And they said, yeah, you know what? You just need to be able to let go of controlling everything and value first your actual goal, which is people, Mm -hmm. people being okay. And people are not perfect. You can't try to control, control, control and leave everybody in the dust of these rigid rules, which is what we are prone to. We need a huge correction. Like I look at all the ways that we silo and box and and in so doing, cut people out of our community and opportunity and security and feeling like, oh, yeah, I have a place here. I'm part of the greater group. We take trust away. We don't give people trust and at Willow Springs, we worked in in the Youth Correction Center for eight years. We would go twice a week for years. And uh, I remember when the first time when I was allowed to bring Willow in and we were going to make Willow furniture. And that means, yes, we have loppers and pruning shears. We have nails and we have hammers. And uh, they allowed it. I was ready for it because we had already built up a relationship. I could say, you know, I, you know, these fellows will come, but this fella maybe next time. Because we had built up a relationship and I trusted them and they weren't sure. They asked, "Why are you allowing us to do this?" And I said, "We're going to make these and then we're going to raffle them off and that money is going to allow this group to travel to a powwow and uh, they're like nobody will want to buy these from us if they know who made them and I said no they will want to even pay more they will be so happy to invest in your life because they've seen that you have made something beautiful and you know that you hold your hand there to hold the sticks and a young fellow swinging a hammer and you can see the look that he's saying, you are allowing me to do this with your body like that close. And it it's... It's heartbreaking. But also beautiful that it can happen. But there has to, you have to, it has to be a two-way sharing of trust and comfort, a sense of safety and 
and a belief in a person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I every artist that worked with us that went into the Youth Correction Center always said that was their favorite place to go, that they felt they were doing something important. And yeah, I remember also Leah, she was one of our lead artists, and we wove baskets with three young men, and we would just sit in that room, and it would be totally quiet as you focus and keep weaving. It takes a long time to weave a basket. And yeah, and then stories about their grandmas would come out, and oh, and it was, it stays with me all the time. Because what's really striking, right, is when you started this work, it wasn't because I want to change the world by transforming, you know, adding all these relationships to my life and and becoming the artist warrior who brings it into dangerous places. Like, not at all. And, and, and a fear-based understanding of the world, and when your lens is what could go wrong, who's going to screw you over, that would be the expectation that you'd get burned out, that all of your rosy eyelashes would get broken and you'd be a bitter person by this point but every year I've known you your heart gets bigger Judy right it's been a different journey than that it has you know in my life I searched for years always wondering what am I what's my purpose and I mean I did so many different things and I you know I loved sports and I went to school to be an athletic therapist and I loved making and building and I loved I went to heavy equipment school and I, you know, taught trades at the college for 10 years and I worked in women's health. I did all sorts of different things. Worked at a mine and mills out in the bush, you know. Um, But when I came, when me and my friends came here and we made Willow Springs and then we quickly realized it wasn't a a for-profit kind of venture (laughs) Um, and we incorporated as a non-profit because we recognized the power of just allowing people to be in nature and to create and to celebrate around food and to know where your food came from. And it just, I remember we asked Warner Schwar, a local landscape architect, and he bartered with us that his kids could come to art camp if, and he would take our wish list for this two-acre little place and draw it up to how maybe we could, you know, work on this property. And we had a little event at Gorman Ware School and the symphony sent a a quartet and we had lovely food and he unveiled this drawing. And I, when I talk about it, I'm there, standing there. And I just looked and I said, wow, that's a lifetime of work. And I don't need a search anymore. That's what I can do. And I'll just keep working at that. And it's on the same road I live on, you know. I was just like, oh, my goodness, I'm just settled for the first time. Yeah. And so, you know, and people, are, yes, I work too much. Um, but every time I'm working, I, when I'm in it, I just love it. <laughs> I know I'm getting old and I got to slow down, but... I have an amazing board that I work with and they recognize that. So we're we have we're putting a plan in place. But I do just want to be an old woman under that apple tree in the back, just maybe with a group of kids just telling stories or whatever. Yeah. 
And I can imagine that. So if we're going to dig in and imagine this area with that sort of substantive and yet so simple change, um, boy, oh boy, is there a lot more of a web of connections going on? Is there a lot more um, a kind of connectedness to your land, your neighbors, your and and sense of, of power that you get to do what you're good at. You get to build on where your passions are and you are you are impactful. Like what you choose to do makes a difference in other people's days, is valued by the people around you. So I could see schools like that had outdoor classrooms that had multi-age activities, had a heck of a lot more people kind of showing up to be a part of this activity, that activity, add some expertise to this undertaking, that curiosity, um, this construction or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and those being really closely tied to elders and um, people who have something to give and get such a lift out of connections um, that might also be a part of maybe a working space, maybe just a, a gathering place where they're known. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Willow Springs is a small place. We have small staff, but we believe in collaboration and open, um, unexpected collaborations that you don't know how they're going to work or someone would wonder, why are you bringing these people in, you know? Uh, but there's just a beauty in that. And also that idea that, oh, I think I might be good at this, or I never even thought of that, but here's a place, wherever it is, that I can give it a try. And they might even help me find somebody who's done it before. And I think that's a beauty of being sort of outside the system sometimes that and I think what happened during the pandemic all these people reconnecting with things that they were passionate about you know and all the bread making and the gardening you know Willow Springs is about gardening and food and art and I was just amazed during pandemic this is what people were doing it's like these are simple everyday things that people should have in their life that's our base And then on top, we just layer training so that we say, would you like to learn something or would you like to share your skills? Mm -hmm. I just think it's a very simple model that could be implemented everywhere. Yeah, you can build on on what has been learned here. And it just takes a space. Like, this is not a huge property. It's not a huge building. It could very easily just be another of the many other properties that one person lives in alone and tries to maintain. And, you know, the garden gets a little bit scragglier some years and a little bit richer other years. And you sometimes put off painting the outside because of income. And and that's as much as you can manage because it's just you loving that little piece of property. Um, But a community hub piece of property is what people choose to give it. And it's a reflection of who is welcome there. And if there's ever an example of that, that would be this space. Yeah, I think you just have to come to our Friday markets and you'll see everyone's welcome. And it's such a diverse neighborhood. And then you have all the folks that have their camps up the road and the funds that have had their camps since, you know, and they're in their 80s. And then the folks who have built their beautiful dream houses out there and everyone in between. And 
we all mingle together and it's it is beautiful you know because the the part of the secret sauce that you didn't list because i think it was so obvious was people yes people yeah yeah and again i think we're at a time right now coming out of the pandemic where we can gather and people recognize the value in it yesterday the city called a a meeting for planning culture days for in september october they've never done this before usually a few weeks before they'll ask us oh would you like to do some workshops for culture days and we'll say sure but the room was filled. It was filled with people, people from cross sectors, from the library, the health unit, from community groups, from dance groups, theater groups, uh, indigenous groups, the museum and the sports hall of fame. It was just like, oh my goodness, thank goodness we're here together. And people were like, oh, would you like to partner on this? Would you like to do this? And you could feel the hope in the room. And that dream of where people and the planet come first and profit comes behind. Or what you consider to be profit, right, is the health of the people and the planet. Everything else is, what are you talking about? I don't see how that's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, we've never made money at Willow Springs. (laughs) Yeah. But you've never had to close because you didn't. You're very creative. And, And what you have accrued and that is compounding is social capital right yes yes knowing people and having people that would be happy to share what skills they have what assets they have because they value what you bring to their community social capital is all about time and relationships and after a while a community that's been blessed with it it's amazing what it can have bring forth because then you can trust one another And Thunder Bay, I mean, we do have way too many walls, absolutely. There's lots of room to be kinder to one another and reach across and build connections um, and overcome obstacles. But But we're a small town. We have a small town feeling. In any conversation with anyone, within five minutes, you're going to find out, oh my gosh, are you, you're his cousin? That's so great, you know, and... I was just going to say that like that partnership idea and what can grow from partnerships. So, and where we have spent time together is at the Lappy Nordic Ski Center. So I've been there with my children for, and coached there for 14 years and ran the Jackrabbit program and then moved on to providing food there in the little upstairs kitchen. And then um, Tuya Perez, who owns the center, was willing to take a big risk and partner with Willow Springs and in an application for a grant and a loan to renovate the center and incorporate a commercial kitchen that Willow Springs got to design. And to know that we would be incorporated into that expansion, that our trainees will get to work there and train there, will be able to use that center more often and now we have this beautiful space, and now the the services board is using the space, and we just hosted the national cross country ski championships for Canada. We had thirty nine volunteers that were all community members that came to help us feed all these people. 
And we had trainees working within that group of people, and their lives changed. And they were just seen as a, another person working hard. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's, and it's repeatable. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the formula has been proven here. Yes, yes. And you have these groups, the the ski center and the Nordic club that runs out of there, incredibly active, uh, not-for-profit. You're layering on the Lappy Services Board and then Willow Springs that has a different direction. But no, we fit, we fit together. And then you have this private owner saying she's willing to risk um, partnering with these other organizations and invest in her community we can do that all over the place i think kindness and risk are related because if you focus on the risk right and then you deny yourself the opportunity for the unforeseen you don't right speak to that person that's standing there at the bus stop with you because you're like ooh, maybe oh you look a little scary i don't know what it is but you know that never happens to me. I don't know. I give off some kind of vibe and everybody talks to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I totally agree that there is a risk in kindness as well, like of showing kindness or... But it's so much smaller than it feels before you dare. You know, the risk is actually, the more that you dare it, the easier it is, the harder to really worry about that risk because people are... Very rarely unmanageable. Really, people are a good bet almost all the time. And when they're not a good bet, in that, it's that moment. It's not that person. And so the more you kind of flex that muscle of engaging and seeing how brilliantly it works out over time, um, the easier it is to imagine everybody letting down a lot of guards and, and daring to take those little risks that are the foundation of kindness. Um, when you can't perfectly foresee how it's going to unfold or how long it might take or exactly what it'll turn out like at the end, but you're willing to trust the people who have a vision or trust the people that are willing to give it a go and you're willing to help like whenever called upon if you are the one who can get it over a hump. And, and that's all it takes. It's not rocket science. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, you don't cry over it. You talk about what happened, what will we try different next time? Or you surround yourself, like I try to do, with amazing creative problem solvers or people who can pull out, you know, these skills that you just don't even know they have and pull things together and make them work. <laughs> but also amazing creative problem solvers are, are made, not born. Every time that you surprise yourself, that you figured out a way through that, you're, you're quicker to kind of start thinking, how could I maybe solve this? And quicker to take a left-hand turn, like I've been doing this thing and somehow this thing's knocking. I want to try it like your incredible CV you just gave me there. You didn't start out saying, I'm going to do all these things before I'm done with this life. You got better and better at taking left-hand turns and following your nose and trusting your instinct and daring to try. And it worked out for you, Judy. I think it did. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think that, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I doubt myself a lot, but... Instead of now making New Year's resolutions like I used to and then 
or looking back at the ones and saying, oh, God, I, you know, I failed again. I never got the, now I just generate a list of what I accomplished in the last year. And I'm just, and just 10, I try to find 10 things that I feel, and I try to dwell on those opposed to, yeah, I'm still, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. Whatever the thing that never yeah. quite gets off the darn to-do list is, yeah. 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 And I, and that's a better way for me to look at things and just keep moving forward. Oh, I love that because you know, you all hate the moment, the teacher, the boss, whoever, and they would tell you what to do and you would do it and be ready to be told, you did it, thank you. And instead they would look until they found something to tell you that you should have done differently, right? And you hated that person. Like it just was so terrible. And yet that's the way we tend to be to ourselves. Yeah, and affirmations, I think, within kindness, personal affirmations for yourself each day. And then it doesn't hurt to just give people just a nice comment, just, gosh, I like your hair, you know, anything. I mean, you have to be truthful. People know when you're not being truthful. And we find that with art all the time. I don't know if you've seen it with kids and they're doing art and you, oh, how beautiful. Oh, that's so pretty. You get that or you get, what is that? That's not what you're supposed to do. Those things scar people for life. I just want you to know In with seniors, we hear it all the time. I'm not an artist. I can't do it. My teacher in grade two told me that that was all incorrect. But on the other side, if you're telling someone something is beautiful all the time and not being, not giving any kind of concrete critique of their work so that you, you can say, wow, those lines there, those are, those are really well done. Maybe you want to bring in some blue on this side to balance out the blue over there. They want, people want that. Children want that. And real, uh, Feedback. They want yes. to evidence that you're actually looking. Yes. You're actually yeah. considering them to have accomplished something here. Yeah, the whole, let's give everybody a trophy. You know, that kind of thing. No, 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 no. I just think, let's just be authentic with people. And yeah, see them, no matter what their age, whatever their abilities are. Meet them where they are. And I, I would think the key to a kindness spread throughout this is empathy we have to we have to tap into our empathy we all have it and uh it's maybe stop listening to all the news i don't know <laughs> something might help something might help well i know i know the news is you know this about me it's a bugaboo because it's a very small frame and the frame is black and white and if you're trying to look at the world with that kind of a pixelation, you're going to have a skewed view of the world, right? And yet we're saturated with it. It's not like a little teaser to get your adrenaline going. It's all over the place right now. So, yes, I agree with you. We are, a healthy body needs uh, just a seep song of news, not a, not a, a saturation of it at any rate. But I, I want to talk about food before we finish. Oh, <laughs> I was just wondering. I I. I wrote this poem, uh, it's about gardening, and I'm just wondering if maybe I could, I could read it. Obviously, yes. It will lead into talking about gardens and food. Okay. It's called Within the Garden. Daisies left to wave, mower weaves around wildness, creating a meandering path for children's games. 
squash leaves, giant fans, shading fairy houses fashioned of clay. Virginia creeper tendrils wind along the trellis like a toddler's hand around my little finger, while bouquets of zinnias greet the camper stopping by for tender greens tended by youth searching for their purpose. Beneath the willows formed into a living arch, the old man pauses. He notices the hoe he holds, remembers his childhood on the farm, and begins to turn the earth once again. Wind chimes made of driftwood sing through the mist of the sprinkler, rainbows all around. The peas are nearly six feet tall already. A small knot of children nestle beneath the beanpole teepee, safe, secure, and free. The soil flies here and there as a young woman sits to tr- sets to transplanting, wheelchair tucked beneath the planting bench, her smile, white like a lily, says it all. Raised beds of hardy vegetables line up like building blocks, gathering baskets hold their bounty, preparing for the feast. The wood-fired outdoor oven, made of hand-dug clay, lies in wait for the first loaves of bread. Bold murals surround the patio, cheering on the servers, who set mosaic-topped tables flanked by welcoming willow chairs. Lemon balm blends with peppermint in large jugs of refreshing iced tea. Cool breeze blows in, revitalizing sweaty brows, breathing in the life the garden offers. Amidst the fruit-filled apple trees, easels draped in art, paintings of people's pain, seem to whisper, thank you. As guests look to the wide open skies for answers, birdsong, a gentle guitar strumming, laughter fills the air. It's celebration time. The garden invites us all in. We breathe in the peacefulness. Our hearts beat as one. That's so beautiful. So that's sort of my sort of dream for Willow Springs. Mm-hmm. But I could see it kind of pouring like like clear water across the whole city if we just let it. Yeah. Years ago, when we first formed Willow Springs, we put a proposal into the McConnell Foundation. It's a huge foundation, and you can get, like, large amounts of money. And, I mean, we were so small then, but we were like, why is there not a garden at every institution that has grounds in this city, every hospital, every treatment center. These were all places we were going to do programming, every long-term care, every school. Why are we not planting gardens and growing food and bringing beauty and a place for people to be outside and with nature? Yeah, we didn't even get a response to that proposal. But I still think, why are we not doing it? We need to do this. And more schools have gardens now. People who even just passively view nature when they are in hospital heal faster. They use less pain medication. This saves us money. This makes people feel better. We put a garden in. We build buildings that have windows when they started taking all the windows out of schools, putting these little teeny windows, because they didn't want people to break windows. But children couldn't see out. Um, What I also love about your image is multi-generational. 
And people having a chance to pass on knowledge and learn by doing and create their own agendas within a common shared space. Sam and I, my younger son, we had a chance to go for a bit of a stroll a couple nights ago. And we were near the Lily Garden that Roots to Harvest runs, uh, the Lily Street Garden, which is in an institutional property that was all certainly a lawn. And there was all over the news today, speaking of the news, was about how a lawn is a desert, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I remember I I watched a documentary when I was in university that my roommate's uncle had made for cottagers. And it was talking about don't plant a lawn at your camp. A lawn is dead. It has no natural life in it. Plus, whatever you're putting on it is going to leach into the lake that you love so much and poison it. Stop it. And I'm like, a lawn is a desert? And I went and put my nose on a lawn, and there's like diddly squat going on compared to something that's wilder. Anyway, so we're tromping around. We're looking at, look, there's the strawberries. I see over the healing garden over there. I think that, well, there's the asparagus. I think I spot, is that sweet grass? Or no, that's just, you know, la, 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 la. And Sammy's like, Mom are we allowed to be here? Isn't this trespassing? And I'm like, no, this is a community garden. It is built to welcome people. And that whole concept was hard for him, and that kind of broke my heart because we have so many walls that are visible and invisible, just a, a culture of touch not and dare not. But if we were to trust more and dare more with respect, man, you know, very quickly things come to life when you when you when you dig. Yeah. Yeah. And people often say, oh, why would you work at building a garden? Someone's just going to come and wreck it or someone will steal it. And, you know, last year, because we do a garden with the kids at Gorman Ware and yeah, last summer there was a child who was going and taking the carrots and bringing them home to her family for dinner. That's not hurting a garden that's what a garden's for yeah you know so again it's just so simple and powerful yeah Yeah. but what I also think about is how many skills that people don't have or don't um, even know how to acquire or feel are almost unobtainable Um, So when everybody went crazy trying to plant a garden during COVID, then the next year, the gardening classes had very few people attending. And a lot of people tried, and it was so much harder than they thought, so much more frustrating. And they they gave up. And that's heartbreaking. But it is hard. Like, growing food successfully and then um, cooking with it all so it doesn't go to waste, so you harvest it at the right time and you know how to keep it and, and, and it sees you through so you have seeds the next year. There's layer upon layer. Cooking, cooking skills, oi, oi, oi. We could so do with more opportunities for people to learn cooking skills in our community. So I dream of gardens that get people understanding where their food comes from and gives them an opportunity to learn those skills and get comfortable with them and, and rebuild that relationship with our food. And I also dream of kitchens where people get a chance to learn how to cook and eat food that they've seen prepared and be be more a part of that incredible power of a community eating together. I mean, from potlucks 
to like communally provided food. I remember bringing my son here for one of your school programs and they all picked some vegetables and you had other vegetables. They made a soup. They had a bread. It was food that's hard to get a kid to eat usually. It was like a vegetable soup, but they ate it with pride because they'd made it, right? And you had them cutting with knives and they were pretty young and they were so proud. <laughs> like the power of that is easily replicated. Yeah. You, you had a few parents helping. There was you and one assistant. There were maybe 30 kids. And it changed their lives that afternoon here. What couldn't we do so easily right across the city to, to address not just the food insecurity of I don't have food to eat today, but the food insecurity of I don't have a knife to cut that food with, or I don't know what to do with this carrot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like for school gardens, we need partnerships because school closes and right when the growing season is going. And I'm sure if schools would look at their neighborhood, they would find a group that is working, an organization that would have people, there's lots of group homes and they have support staff that would love to come and help in a garden. There's you know organizations like Our Kids Count in a neighborhood, several neighborhoods where they, I'm sure that they would, love to help. So once we pair that up, um, and that's what Willow Springs does with Gorman Ware, we help to maintain that garden and we harvest food as it comes right through the summer and we preserve it so we can use it. And then in September, the grade two, usually between from grade one, two, or three, they harvest all the rest of the food in the gardens and then they make all of the food for the school barbecue where they're feeding about 150, 200 people and they make salads and always a chocolate zucchini cake, of course. Yes, and they make all the food. They are just amazed that they're going to cut up all the vegetables and use knives and they love it and then they bring their parents and they get to see this food they made being served to all these people. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. It's hard work, and oh gosh, that's a very noisy room. With <laughs> <laughs> that's when I recognize I'm getting old. Oh my gosh, so loud, so very loud, but beautiful. Um, well, I have a I have a daydream of a dew drop in within walking distance of every single Thunder Bayer, and that all of us had the ways that we chose to be not just eating there and maybe not just contributing so that there's food to serve there, but doing some of the work as well so that you appreciate the work in a way that you don't when it's done for you. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I just met with Tuya at the ski center just to talk about how the winter went, even though this winter won't leave. But um, And she's saying, so what else can we do? What can we do through you know, the next, till the next ski season starts. And she's like, I think people would like to learn how to make preserves. Maybe we could do some themed dinners. Maybe we can, you know, do some cooking classes for kids here. And I'm like, yeah, we can. There's a new kitchen and a person who's saying, go for it, a partnership. And I think we could find those all over town as well. And if we find ways to be more inclusive in how we ask people to help, how many more people would there be to do the hands-on work? 
Like that's another thing you have insight into. There's all this talk about there being a work shortage. People don't want to work anymore. You know, people want to work only if they can stay at home in their pajamas and do something on a keyboard. And I think all I see are people who would love to be given more trusted and more capacity to make a difference in the world around them. When you think of the church system that we have and churches, their congregations are growing very old. And those groups of women, especially women in those kitchens that used to do all sorts of um, food programming, lunch, uh, milk funds for schools, that kind of thing, that system isn't working anymore. And we, as a society, we have to pick it up and it has to be a partnership between between government at all levels as well as industry and private companies. We have to all work together. We can't rely on senior women to keep picking up the social tab for trying to make things work. So we're talking about gathering people around the table and, and when and how that's that's important to do and now's a good time to do it. Yeah, and I think in Thunder Bay, I think if you look over the last 10 years, we've really had a change in the diversity within our population. The college and the university have really brought in so many more international students and this is where I think gardening and food come to play. I don't know, I was, my daughter lived in Toronto, and just by where she lived was a huge community garden, and we would go and walk there, and I was like, what are all those vegetables? I've never even seen them, I don't know even what they are, and I just think, in the gardens, and when we coordinated the community garden at Lakewood University, you could easily walk and say, oh my goodness, that's a Finnish person's garden. Oh, there's that's a Polish or Ukrainian person's garden. Oh, we don't know this fruit or these vegetables that are growing. Maybe, you know, that's from an Asian country, this food. So I just think it's a great place to gardens to celebrate our diversity and then to sit at a table and share food and celebrate together and get to know all these different ways of making food. And there are organizations in town doing that. I just think we need to do it more. Because you were just saying, like, you got a phone call at Christmas. You'd done something with the Ukrainian immigrants. And you were throwing out how many people that you guys have been connected with, however, you know, remotely, that have immigrated here from far away in crazy situations just in the last 12 months. Yeah, we did a market, a themed market where... The Ukrainian dancers came. We had a Ukrainian meal. We uh, had several of our vendors who are Ukrainian, and they contributed. Um, a woman made a beautiful sunflower quilt that we had to draw for, and so we were able to raise money and donate that all back to the through the Multicultural Association, and they gave out gift cards to families who have come from Ukraine. And people just were asking me, like, well, how many people are here? And they were talking about hundreds of people that they were supporting through the Multicultural Association, and they they felt there were so many more that had just family connections and had been able to come. But then they 
they called back just before Christmas and said that a plane had come with a hundred people from Afghanistan just before Christmas. Can you imagine the whole oh gosh and the weather? That must have been so shocking for them. But they were just, could you do more or do you have any more money that you could donate? So we definitely want to look at that for this coming year. But yeah, I just think to be able to sit at a table and share stories about food would be amazing. When I lived in Montreal, a lot of um, little teeny tiny gardens, like the Montreal, the front garden is small, very small. But most people would turn them into a space that they grew food. And if we were growing more, if we were all growing more, imagine all of that savvy that we could also share. Like, what not just what are you growing, but how did you do that? Because some of them were so good at growing food and so much expertise to share. Yeah, and at Willow Springs, we... Uh, I think I could say we're known for our bread that we make and we sell bread at our market. And that's an area I've always wanted to maybe have like a bread festival where you see flatbreads and that from all over the world where we could, or, you know, pockets of dough that have beautiful food in them, like all of the different ways that from the pierogi to the samosa to the pasty or whatever, all those things. I think we should have festivals celebrating those things as well. (laughs) That's a great idea. I love it. Judy Vinnie. She is a co-founder of Willow Springs Creative Center. She's an artist, a teacher, a person trained in horticultural therapy, and a maker of many things that span the stretch from whimsical to practical. She's an organizer. Judy Vinnie is a visionary. I love her image of growing old under her apple tree with children and, and people of all kinds and there for their own reasons and finding what they most need so easily, so joyously, so rooted in the earth and, and, and in their own autonomy, valued, accommodated, celebrated. And of course, so much of what she says I resonate with, the power of gathering together, of eating together, of 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 understanding how many ways food nourishes us and we are nourished by and nourish our land and water and air. So I love Judy's poem that I've transcribed onto the website if you want to read it again. And uh, it inspired, of course, a song for her. Gathering children happily Making, doing, solving Teaching, laughing, growing and opening Judy, growing old with her apple tree Welcome, stranger Come sit at our table, come grow your own garden, come join me in mine, life is richer when we dig in, life is richer. 
Judy under the apple tree Gathering children happily Making, doing, solving, teaching Laughing, growing and opening Judy growing old with her apple tree Welcome neighbor, come chat at our table let's share work and plenty let's help and we'll comfort life is richer when we help one another life is richer when we dig in Gathering children happily Making, doing, solving, teaching Laughing, growing and opening Judy growing old with her apple tree Get creative Welcome my heart, find the courage to try it Celebrate and unwind, life is richer When we dance Life is richer When we dance Gathering children happily Making, doing, solving, teaching Laughing, growing, and opening Judy growing old with her apple tree I found that article that came to mind, by the way, that came to mind introducing Americans to the Danish penal system where they get to go home at night, where the consequences of being found guilty under the law includes healing and care for the perpetrator and the victim. It's a culture that doesn't really stigmatize breaking the law. Anyway, I found the article. It was in the Washington Post, and I'll put a link to it on the landing page. After chatting with Judy, too, I, I went digging around and digging up, trying to find some of the articles I've read over time that uh, gave me this impression of some of the northern European countries, um, Finland, Denmark, Sweden, and, and how they take care of their elders, how they um, finance care and, and healing, and think about it. 
And I found a couple articles that, if you're interested, um, I think would be would be of interest. And then I also wanted to look into, again, um, articles I've read that uh, profile educational systems that are much more multi-generational, much more um, student-led, and much more empowering of children to direct their own education, to support them as they, they chase their interests and they build their skills and, and they gain accomplishments instead of um, focusing on keeping them easily managed, you know, minimizing the cost of teaching many children. So I've got a couple articles as well on the landing page that you can, you can check out. I've also got a link to an article that I read recently in the Reasons to be Cheerful magazine. That's a, that's a not-for-profit online magazine that's, that's trying to find examples that we might want to emulate and, uh, and good news that can be hard to find otherwise. I recommend it, actually. I, I enjoy it. It's a great tonic and also sometimes a source of, of, of really good information, including this one, which is a profile of an initiative just south of the border here down in Minnesota. It's called All Square which is both a restaurant and a food truck that hires only uh, people that have been recently incarcerated. But it doesn't just give them a job and work experience and, you know, a reboot of their resume. It offers therapy, counseling. It offers seed money and support. So this can be a, a starting place for entrepreneurial endeavors, a, a professional career, and it's had amazing success. It was started by a lawyer, and a lot of the graduates coming out of it have become lawyers, which is also really interesting. So really cool article that I have um, linked to on the, on the web page. And you can find all kinds of things there. I have a whole library of hope. <laughs> it's getting kind of long. It's books and articles and documentaries, podcasts, videos that I have referenced and that I recommend. Um, you can also on that website donate to this podcast. It's otherwise completely unsponsored. Very, very independent. What costs there are beyond what listeners donate, I cover. I do everything. I do the writing and research. I book the guests. I edit the tape. And, and I have to stand behind every single episode. You know, the buck stops with me. It starts with me, too. At any rate, every donation, by the way, is more than dollars. It's such a boon to my heart and my courage. And I thank all those who have contributed. I want to thank Bill Martin, Kathleen Balea, Anne-Marie Mayette, Pauline Samashima, and the Arts Integrated Research Galleries. Everybody who's ever donated to this podcast, really a deep heartfelt thank you. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Judy Vinnie, for imagining the kindness economy with me today. We're more than halfway through this season. Time flies when you're having fun. I'm Heather McLeod. I'm in Thunder Bay. Something different this way comes something. Something different. Something different. Something different this way comes something. Something different. Something different.